Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. And welcome to Security and Secure. This is the podcast where I say it's okay to not be okay. I'm Johnny Seifert, and every week I'm joined by one very special guest. My guest this week started her career at the age of 18 when she auditioned for pop stars, you know, the original X Factor, where it was anything but pure and simple back then in 2000. It was a time of the turn of the millennium, and as a nation, we got into reality TV in all its forms with Big Brother for entertainment and pop stars for the music, and this led to being part of Hearsay for the next three years. Now, since then, she's done a bit of everything. It was another hearsay reference, if you didn't know. She swapped singing to acting, appearing in Emmerdale, and then from TV to the West End, appearing in shows including Chicago, Joseph, and the Rocky Horror Show. Since then, she's become the face and founder of the Happy Health Club, and is here today to spread the idea of happiness. I'm delighted to welcome to Security and Secure, Suzanne Shaw. Ah, thank you. What an intro. Let's go back to the beginning. Okay. Because it's all about fame at the beginning, pop stars, a reality show. So Mm -hmm. when was that moment you thought, I want to be famous? Oh, I think the the moment, I, when I was about three years old, I remember saying to my grandfather, um, when I'm older, I'm going to be a famous actress in Hollywood. Obviously yet to happen. Uh, <laughs> but I think that idea of fame was the glitz, the glam, the cameras, the lights, the action. And I didn't really ent- know what fame was about. I wanted to sing, dance and act. That's what I wanted to do. So from the age of nine, I was on doing my first professional show called Showboat, um, and it was on tour. And I really got a taste of it then. The, 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 the part wasn't all that big, but um, to actually have that experience of the spotlight on you, an audience being on stage, um, I got the bug then. And then from there, I went and did my first TV show at the age of 12 called Elidor. And then that was my first taster of being on set, being in front of a director, working as an actor. And I loved it. And that's what I wanted to do. I really wanted to act. And I had an agent. And so I'd go up for Coronation Street, Holby City. I'd play these small parts. I was in the city central. These little things were, were cropping up. And it was very much acting was the route that I wanted to take. I'd danced since being three and I'd sang along with that. So actually going up for hearsay actually came as an accident. 
it wasn't something that I'd planned to do. I never thought I'd be a pop star. I liked the idea of it. I loved everything. I loved singing, dancing and acting. But actually being in a band wasn't part of the plan. I saw myself more on a TV set or wanting to do movies. It wasn't until a friend of mine said to me, will you come along to this audition with me? And now I'd seen it in the stage. I'd seen this, do you want to be a pop star? And I did think, oh, that'd be pretty cool. But I never thought in a million years that I'd actually get that job. What would it have meant to be a pop star, though? Because at that point, what does a pop star actually mean? It's not just, I'm a musician, I'm there to make music. I mean, a pop star is the biggest of them all, isn't it, in the entertainment world? For me, that's what I thought. It was like, you know, you become a pop star, you are up there. You know, you are one of the, the stars of the stars. You know, pop star, Hollywood star, that was as big as it gets. When I went for that audition, I didn't think that would be what I would be doing in life. I don't know why I remember. I remember seeing Gary Barlow, seeing Take That. I was about 15 at the time and they were on tour. I went to see them at the Manchester Arena and Gary ran from one part of the stage to the other and waved to the part of the crowd that I was in. And I remember thinking, God, I'd love to do that one day. Maybe I will. Maybe I'll do that one day. And I'm not joking, four years later, I did exactly that same move on the same stage and remembering that moment of Gary waving to that side of the crowd thinking, there might be a young girl in that audience who will be doing exactly the same as me one day. So. It's interesting it was only four years later because I'd like to think of you going, I want to be that person and I'm still not there yet because you've achieved it already. But mm. You've achieved it in four years. So it was well, what's next? What's next? Whereas you yeah. had that goal very early on and you complete it's the law of attraction. Yeah. You completed it so early. Yeah, it was. And I do believe in the law of attraction. It's played a huge part of my life. Like every single part of my life, my jobs, where I am today has been from me purposely or accidentally affirmating that. It did come really young and it is a blessing because you get to do what you love to do at such a young age, but it's equally a curse because when you are at such a height, when you're the most famous person in the country, in the most famous band, where do you go from there? There's only one way and that's to come down. And you do, you have to come down to then work your way back up again. And the expectation when you're doing another job after another job and it not quite being that first time and that first gig, our first job... Our first gig as Hearsay was the Brits. That's the first time I sang as a pop singer on a stage. You can't go anywhere from there. You know, there was no gradually building up, getting to know each other as a band, doing the crummy gigs, you know, and and then being grateful for when you were on tour and you were winning the awards. Um, It just happened so quickly overnight. It's interesting to think, would you rather have the fast fame, the fast cash, have everything served you on a golden platter or to buy your time and work in those gentlemen clubs when you were 13 years old. And it's like, it's, I, I don't know what I'd rather do. Yeah. Well, I did work in the gentlemen's club at 13. I remember going up for a uh, competition and I sang Could It Be Magic by Take That because obviously they were my favourite band. So I did experience that. And I did work my way up um, in terms of, you know, doing the amateur dramatics. I did do all of these shows. But... Y- You know, they say, you know, like the journey is that's the fun bit. That's the really exciting part. But when you get there at the age of 19, you know, I got into the band when I was 18. We then got announced and I was 19 at that point um, on stage playing the biggest arenas in the country. There is no real journey. It's, It's all happened. And 
you know, that part of, of working and grafting is the exciting bit. And then when you get there, that's when you get all the criticism. The bigger you are, the more disliked you are. And there's a smaller fraction of people who love you for what you do. But you don't get to hear the haters when you're making your way up. You just get the you know, people praising you and doing, saying you're doing really well. So I think, I think, you know, for me, that's the hard bit. You know, when you really make it, it's, it's a lonely place. Oh, I can imagine because you've not got, I mean, this is pre-social media and we'll talk about that culture mm. of the early noughties, but who was mentoring you at that point? Mentoring? No one was mentoring us. We, honestly, we had got into the band. We obviously had the judges who were becoming stars in themselves. You know, they, they were. They they were they had overnight fame like we had overnight fame. The TV show was huge. So they'd gone from TV execs uh, to managers and A&R guys to famous themselves. They were then managing the, with their own career. They had their own set of problems. They were also going on to Pop Idol, and which then turned into X Factor. So we were put together. Nobody knew how big this TV show would go. And then suddenly we had this brand new manager because Nikki Chapman couldn't look after us anymore because she was then going to be a no, another, you know, do another judging uh, slot on Pop Idol. No one was mentoring us. Nobody. We had a manager who, Chris Herbert, brilliant guy, a lot of love for him. Um, but he he inherited his dad's company who looked after the Spice Girls. He was He was fairly young himself. Nobody knew how to managers because it was a brand new concept there was no format in place so the reality was we were swimming with the sharks alone and that was tough it was really hard for us well this is it because you didn't you know you want to be a triple threat the acting the dance and the singing you didn't train at Ansha or sylvia young and have that backing mm-hmm. you went in it straight away on your own and yeah. i presume your parents weren't in the industry to no. know where to put you and to mentor you and give you the right advice so looking back now what went wrong at that time? Because not being mentored, not having that duty of care, obviously we see duty mm. of care now, especially in reality shows. Yeah. There obviously was another side to that fame and you didn't have that protection. No. I think that's why it was so hard for us all. My parents did the best they could. You know, they didn't know what fame was about. We were all learning together. It was all very, very new. You know, we're a, a small family from Bury in Manchester. You know, this, I was the first person to have any kind of huge success within the family we were the first we were the guinea pigs they learned a lot of lessons from us the tv company the um the the record label the industry learned a lot from that experience and we were kind of just running around in the dark trying to figure it out on our own at such a young age with nobody having the answers i'm glad i went through those experiences you know i've lost a house I've lost all my money. I've made it again. I've obviously been through re- publicly, you know, relationships in, in the public eye. There's been public humiliation. There's been so many highs and so many lows. I've learned a lot. And hopefully I've learned a lot because I'm meant to be passing that on to others, whether it's my children or whether it's, you know, other people who are, you know, looking to get into the entertainment industry, whether, you know, what whatever way shape or form there's a reason that i went through that in fact you know a lot of that reason is probably where i am today as well well let's talk about the public humiliation because this was the early noughties this was Mm -hmm. pre-social media yeah really it was the red top newspapers that controlled you yeah and pop stars was more of a documentary series pop idol was right we're going to find that singer we're going to vote for that singer that's a music contest this was very much let's make i suppose a franchise a 
something that we can sell in yeah. in the celebrity world that can mm-hmm. be featured in all the magazines and newspapers. Yeah. They owned you more than you owned them. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were giving 40% of our wage to ITV as well um, because we were a TV band. And that, that was unusual. That wasn't, you know, it wasn't just 20% to your manager. It was, you know, then 40% to a TV company. And then it was split five ways. But we probably still made more than anybody makes now. You know, if you think about the newspapers and TV, that they work together. That's a collaborative team and that's a company. So they, you, you, we, we were you know a a media band and we were owned and we were it was hard it was really difficult um and don't know whether we've been able to handle social media but I think at least with social media you have a platform to tell your truth you don't we didn't then we didn't so a story went out and that was fact you know and then you try and talk about it in an interview say your side of the story but then that was always manipulated as well depending on how they wanted that interview to go um, and so, yeah, there was no outlet for us to say or not say what, you know, control it in whatever way we'd like. So what was your storyline? What was the Suzanne Shaw of pop stars then? Because everyone had their yeah. identity, their story. And again, this wasn't made from you, from the heart. Mm-hmm. This was what the media want you to be. Yeah. I mean, I was always the young one. I think throughout that time, I was possibly the victim. And I think this this is really, I find this really interesting because we all come from a set of different archetypes. We all have the fun in us. We all have the serious. We all have the angry. We all have the joker. But when you are on TV, you become very one to two dimensional. They only see a certain side of you. So when you are in um, a band or on TV, you are labelled and you are seen as like, I was the bubbly, blonde, girl next door, a little bit dipsy. That was me. That was my storyline. And, and occasionally, you know, um, the, the, the victim, the, 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 the one that people felt sorry for. And then to break away from that, it takes a lot of a lot of work to then show a serious side, somebody who wants to be, you know, taken seriously when they want to get into deep conversation about mental health or politics, or they want want to show some other side where they can, um, you know, become, you know, a person of, of influence and empower others. So then it takes a lot of work to kind of pull away from that and I understand that is what fame is all about you know look Jim Carrey said it for for such a long time he was the joker wasn't he he was that person who was being the silly one and he had to go away for a long time and say I can't be that person anymore I can't continually be that joker because I actually do have another side to me and that that's how it feels it become you become just one dimensional character that people expect you to show up as that person all the time and when you don't that's when you know it can go wrong because we all have bad days and this is what's really interesting about especially the girl next door image because in the 90s if we think of like the sarah coxes and zoe balls it was the lad depth culture it was the beer it was that type of girl as you get into the noughties that girl next door image was very much like upskirting suddenly yeah. All those things suddenly became the norm of, oh, here's someone who's good looking. How do we ruin them? Let's get uh, long yeah. lens cameras on a beach on holiday and you're in a bikini. Let's yeah. get that picture taken from a distance. Let's get an upskirting picture. And that was accepted then. I have a real problem with that. And I couldn't get out of a taxi without a photographer putting a lens up my skirt. You know, that invasion for a woman is so, so bad that I'm surprised we haven't got a long line of photographers being sued 
for doing that. You know, that invasion of privacy is unacceptable. Flatline, wrong and unacceptable. However, we were told to shut up and put up and almost play along with it if you want to stay ahead of the game and be famous. That's for me now is we're going into this t- this territory of I don't know what my values are at this point. Now, I know at some point my values would be that can't happen to somebody. But when you go along with that because you're told that that will get you in the papers, that will keep you in employment. I'm losing my integrity as a woman, as somebody who's who needs to be a role model. And this is where the, you know, I've come away really, really messed up and confused. Losing that part of my integrity along the way with these pictures and storylines that have, have gone out with me. And sometimes really shameful and disappointed in myself that I've played along with it. Not purposely, not intentionally, but just because I've needed to put food on the table. And also that's all you know. If yeah. you were told, yeah. you know, this is part of the job, this is what you've signed up for. What was yeah. the... Talking about your integrity, what was the worst moments? Now looking back, what are the things that you're not proud that you had to, that you did just as part of the norm? Then I think things like just being okay falling out of nightclubs, absolutely shit faced. If that would be a world now, that would never happen. Allowing myself to go out scantily dressed and thinking that that was a part of what I should have been, being that ladette of you know party animal and and playing along with with that storyline you know things that i just look back on and go do you know what i i really wish that that hadn't have been the thing that we did then we all know like back in the the noughties it was cool to fall out of a club drunk and that's what that we did you know and 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 that's what we kind of went along with but um it's that bad boy image and i think actually you look back and it's like (laughs) it's just ridiculous you know so, yeah, I, I think, you know, there's, there's things that you learn, you evolve. Would I have done that in university? Probably still would have done that kind of stuff. You know, you, you, you do grow up and you do change. But I think to have to learn that in the public eye and it not go away and it, you know, be thrown in your face and you'd be re- reminded of it is tough. Oh, because there was a commodity with lads mags. There was a commodity yeah. with FHM's top 100 well, that girls. as well, yeah, yes. Again, you know, I didn't even think about it from that side of you. Yeah. You know the lads mags, and you know going yeah. Let's let's you know as a woman, let's do this. And I, no, I should have had more self respect and go. No, I'm not going to be that commodity to somebody else for the sake of somebody else's pleasure. No, that's you know. I, I, but we didn't because we were told that that's what you do. You become more likable. It was all sex sells. That's all that was said to us within that time. Sex sells be sexy, lower tops, shorter skirt, and let's get you on the front of FHM. And then and then let's pit you off all against each other and say, that one's the pretty one in the band, that one's the ugly one. That, you know, and, and that comparison is just so damaging in society. See, I remember when um, Kim left the band. <laughs> it's actually quite a funny story. We did our Loving Is Easy video. And as part of that video, we were at the, the record label and they're talking through all the different slides. We put the picture board together, the storyboard of the um, of the the video, and they had Mylene you know, walking around very sexily. She kisses the male model in there, and then they said, "And Susie, you're going to get in a tire, and we're going to roll you down a hill." And I was like, "Why do I have to be the one put in a tire and roll down the hill?" And uh, yeah, so I definitely put a stop to that because uh, one, I didn't want to die. 
you know, being put in a large tyre and rolled down a hill. Anything could have happened. I just thought that just breeds that insecurity that that's what I'm seeing in. That's that kind of light. Not that I'm, you know, I'm bothered about that these days because I'm absolutely not. But I think back then as a young teenage girl, you do. It does bother you. The band ended in 2003. I can't remember when Kim joined Corey. I want to say 2006, 2005-ish. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, yeah, no idea. Let's go for that. You joined Emmerdale 2011. You know, there's five, six-year break between you and the band Mm -hmm. and you acting again. You'd been acting anyway, but you couldn't jump straight into Emmerdale the next year because if you did that, it'd be like, well, she just wants to be a celebrity. They don't know your background. They don't know you can act. And yet it was, I need to be taken seriously as an actress now, so I need the time away from the band, distance myself, Mm -hmm. but yet... I'm known as Suzanne from Hearsay and I need to lose that label completely. Well, when Hearsay ended, I went straight into musical theatre and that was really hard to to be able to work with the other um, actors in that show because they really gave me a hard time because they thought I was a celebrity. Because the way the Hearsay were put together, a documentary, it made it look like we were kids who had woken up one day and decided that they wanted to sing and that we'd had no training. You know, particularly like like Danny was like they they made him like Danny had been singing for years, but it was like he was the ex, you know, cleaner who the singer in the local pub who then became famous. They liked that kind of storyline with it. So it did make it look like we were kids who had been lucky enough to go for this open audition and were the chosen ones and we'd never actually done anything and had any experience in our life. So because of that preconceived idea, when I went into musical theatre, it took me a long time to prove my worth, like trying to let let people know I've been training since I was three years old. I've been training in musical theatre, but I hadn't gone to a London college because I'd got straight out of school pretty much, went to sixth form and then went straight into the hearsay. So I never went to, which my plan was, was to go down to, you know, your Sylvia Young, your Italia Conte's, you know, Italia Conte was very much on the card for, you know, where I would go from a next level of training. If I'd have done that, then that would have been the proof that, you know, I'm actual a a triple threat, a a performer. But I didn't have that on my CV. So I had to really prove that I trained all my life for this moment to be able to be on stage and play the leading lady in a musical. And then, you know, every show that I went on from, I, I had to prove myself I remember I remember a very big moment I'd just come off the back of winning Downton on Ice I went into Chicago in the West End and one of the guys playing one of the characters just before I went out onto stage said must be really great for someone like you who can just be on TV and then land in these roles that all of us have trained for for so long like minutes before I went on stage and I thought I have been working all my life And I deserve to be on this stage because my mum and dad have put so much money into dance competitions. I've been to all of them. I've won competitions. I've been through training through like with the with the best teachers out there. And it was it was shocking that I still had to prove myself because I just won another reality show. So it was a celebrity taking the role off a credible performer. And it doesn't stop, you know, you still have to prove yourself. Like you say, going into Emmerdale as well, proving yourself that I've been acting for such a long time. I mean, luckily with Emmerdale, the casting director knew me in my previous life as Suzanne Crowshaw because I dropped the crow from my name to become Suzanne Shaw when I got into Hearsay. So they knew me as an actor, but still like your colleague trying to prove to them that, you know, you deserve to be there is, is tough. But then playing devil's advocate, 
I'm good enough and you need me more than I need you because you need my name on the door. Otherwise, who's going to go and see Chicago if it's an unknown actress? Yeah, well, think people things like Chicago, you know, you get into it. I mean, the, the show, they always say the show's name is going to be bigger than anybody that will be in this job. They make that very clear when you enter it. But yeah, it is. It's- Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. So true. You know, they do need names to be able to, to keep it alive for so long. You know, the show's been going for, like, years and years and years. So you do need to have celebrities to come in to to keep the ticket sales going. Because if somebody's seen it, they go, well, I've seen it. But they might want to see that person in it or that person. We're going to talk about your brand in particular in a bit. But mm-hmm. let's go with the mental health journey side by that. Because we've talked mm-hmm. about the fame side. Yeah. And we've talked about the upward journey and a little bit of the downer journey. But that's the professional side. Let's talk about the personal side. How did your mental health get affected by that? Because, again, 2000s, mental health wasn't a thing. We didn't talk about it at no. all. No, we didn't. And um, I remember when I was struggling, my mum said, please don't tell anybody that you're struggling with your mental health because you'll never get employed. And my my mum's a mental health nurse, so she knew from firsthand that that's what happens uh, to people if they open about uh, open up about their mental health. So yeah, I remember talking about it first after my eldest son Corey was born. Um, I struggled with postnatal depression, but the reality was I was struggling with depression before I was pregnant. But I didn't say that. You know, I think it was easier to say I was struggling with postnatal depression because there was something because of that in a strange kind of way. And people were talking about that a little bit at that, back at that point. And I remember thinking this might actually help other mothers. I was a single mum, so there was a lot of 
elements to why I was struggling. The mental health, the depression being a big part of that. And then again, I talked about my depression after my second child was born, Rafi. And I actually struggled with postnatal depression depression worse after Rafi than I did with Corey. I didn't think it would hit me as hard because my life wasn't, you know, I wasn't a single mum. You know, second time round, I had the support of somebody else. Things were a lot more secure than, than it was back then. But I do think that it, for me, at one point, I then had to be really honest that I'd I've been struggling with my mental health since kind of the back end of hearsay. Um, And I just think that came from huge things happening at such a young age and having to deal with that. It was like an effect that had happened so much later on that I'd I'd woken up to and gone, God, what the hell has happened to me? I'm trying trying to find the words to say it. Well, it's like having PTSD for a massive trauma that wasn't a trauma in a conscious sense of you know, there's been a grief over death, but you're grieving something because you're in this machine and you get taken... Or the conveyor belt that you spoke about. Yeah. You got taken off that conveyor belt. Mm. And so think of a suitcase at an airport and it goes round and around and around. Yeah. And then it comes off. Or you could be that lonely suitcase that just keeps going around because yeah. no one's came come to baggage control yet. No, of course. And it's like even now talking about it, I find myself editing myself as I go along because I'm still stuck in that way of... God, be really careful what you say because you don't know how it's going to backfire. And I'm not, I'm not fussed anymore, and I'm not actually. I think it's just subconsciously that happens because you're just so worried how your words will be made. Now it's very different with podcasts, and it's a very different life now. Like I say, you have social media to tell your side of the story, and I am very open and transparent about um, my life. I don't I have nothing to hide, and. I love being like that now, but I'm still stuck in my old ways when it comes to interviewing of like, well, what what do I say? How do I say it? You know, how am I going to come across? Um, because you you learn how to be in that way for such a long time for survival. Completely. But you are obviously aware right now what you're self-editing about yourself. Yeah. What are you self-editing? And you don't need to say what you are actually self-editing, but yeah. the because... Everything's out there about you. Yeah. There's no yeah. skeleton in your closet. And actually, that's a good thing. Because mm-hmm. if there were secrets, you'd be like, well, when's it going to come out? When's it going to come out? But if you're self-editing yourself right now, there's obviously a trauma that you're still not accepted yet. Ooh, you're good. I know. You're good, yeah. Probably is. And I've probably not delved deep enough. And I will. And I do. And it has to come in small steps. I think, you know, you there's there's still a big part of a time that was very confusing and that was from hearsay to you know after my breakup with Darren because it was all so heavily documented without it being the entire truth I think it's just that one story after another after another and then when you did do an interview even how that would be turned into a different type of story to the interview you had is it is it's a deep trauma and i think that's why i just naturally am very disjointed when i'm talking about that time of my life because you had no ownership and actually you had grown up and you yeah. were mature and yeah. it, you will never realize how mature you were at that point because that's when you wanted to claim your ownership but no one allowed you to do that no no i don't think i don't think society does though i think even now it's, it's a lot easier now but I think when you want to kind of own your life, people still want to put you in a box. But what happens is, is it's not just being put in a box. It's a narrative being told about you mm. that's just accepted. 
it's accepted that whatever has been said, it's accepted. Yeah. If Darren had said something about you, accepted. If the media yeah. had said something about you, accepted. You didn't have ownership about changing that narrative. And like you said, no. you weren't given the platform to do no. it. No, no. No, we're not given the platform. And would I have reacted to it? Maybe not. Maybe I would have just stayed silent. But at least I would have had an option to. And that's what it was like back then. But so, that's the thing. It's back then. So yeah. you can't go into therapy right now and go, right, let's do a class of therapy. Let's book in eight sessions. Number one, you know that's going to cost a couple of grand. Do yeah. I need to spend that couple of grand now or could I go on holiday? Let's choose a holiday. <laughs> Number two is, do I really want to take myself back 20 years? I've moved on. I've got two big kids. I don't yeah. need to go back there now. Yeah. I've yeah. moved on from it. And yet there's still something niggling at you that's still not come out yet. Yeah. And I think, you know, you are right. It is that that part of just just not being able to flow and be my true self all the time when I'm talking about that time of my life. And I don't know why. I, and I, th- I think it is just in sheer practice of making sure that if there's a headline that comes out of this, it's a headline I'm not going to go, oh, my God, to. Do you know what I mean? Well, I mean, you didn't have to extend it that much, <laughs> but, you know. Um, no, but the problem as well is that you're not protecting yourself, actually. You're protecting everyone else because you would never be allowed to say, at the time especially, mm. oh, I'm not enjoying her say, or, oh, no, no. me, Mylene, Kim, we're not sisters. You had to come as a package because yeah. you had a big fan base and people wanted to be you. And so, yeah. number one, you had to be grateful to be in that position. Mm-hmm. Number two, you had to show the respect to your fans because that's the commodity. That's what they're yeah. buying into. And therefore... If you've been so ingrained and trained to think everything is so positive, yeah, we can look at it in tinted glasses now, but you know that you can't break that mold. Same as talking about God. Yeah. I don't know if I believe in God, but I have to say it because I'm worried what would happen if I didn't say it. And so if you turned around now and said, do you know what? As much as I love being part of the pop stars experience, I didn't enjoy hearsay. You wouldn't be allowed to say that because you know how slated you would get by the press. Yeah. You know that it would just be detrimental to your self-image, your brand, everything. Mm. And you may as well go to a remote island in the middle of nowhere if you're going to do that. Yeah. And so you're always going to have to self-edit yourself. I think as well, you know, whilst you're just saying that and I'm looking back at that part of my life, I think I think it's because I don't know who that person was and perhaps I don't like that person all that much. So it's hard to talk about that point, part of my life. Well, now you've brought it up. What part of that side did you not like about yourself? <laughs> I suppose the one who didn't stand by her values and integrity. I suppose the one who allowed things to get out of control. It was, yeah, just like I said, all your mistakes put out there for the world. The world. It wasn't the world at all. It was just the UK. I do find it hard talking about that that time. Okay, we'll move on. Yeah, We'll move on. Just know that you were loved. Yeah. And I think that's very hard to sometimes remember is that you were loved because if it was you falling out of a nightclub, the reason it was shown was because you were loved. People wanted, again, it's a commodity. Yeah. People yeah. wanted to buy that because people loved you. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, should carry you in the state of, yeah, it may have not aligned with my values now, but I'm older, I'm wiser, yeah. I can look back on that. But equally, I was loved and I was meant to be part of that. Mm. in you know industry sometimes it's hard to go through something bad and think well what was my purpose in that why yeah. why did i do that but actually look at the life lessons you took away from that yeah but it's i'm I'm really glad we have talked about that because it has made me think 
that's that's obviously something I need to work on there and something that I do want to push through on and I'm looking forward to to looking at that now are you yeah I am because obviously I do I do these kind of interviews a lot and I I never know why I'm always a little bit disjointed when I talk about that time and I've I've taken that step to knowing that now but and this is the weird thing is that hearsay was 20 years ago yeah you're over that you've done so much since and yet Every conversation has to go back there because that's yeah. how you were known. And we've spent, yeah. you know, 40 minutes talking about that side yeah. of your life. And it's like, well, there is so much more to you. And we'll talk about what's more to you. But you're being basically thrown through the hedges every single time because everyone wants to know about that part that of your part, life. Yeah. And you've moved on, but no one else has. No, I know. I know. And I know, I get it. It's part of, it's part of what it's about. And you have to give a bit of back, backstory to understand how you've evolved and where you are now. Otherwise, it would just wouldn't make sense. And nowadays, not everyone's going to know who Hearsay are. You know, it's been 22 years. It's interesting, and that's kind of made me look at it very differently, but actually with a, a lot of relief as well. Well, I hope so. Mm. You've done enough interviews to get to this one, yeah. to go, right, I finally found an interview that yeah. I can just actually go, oh, okay, yeah. I'm free. I'm yeah. free. So look, let's talk happiness of you. Because you are in a happier place. You've gone on that journey. Mm-hmm. You've now come to the other side. What does happiness mean to you, Suzanne? Oh, what does happiness mean to me? I think just um, being who I want to be, living the life I want to live and doing stuff for others. That's what makes me happy. My bucket load of happiness and well-being comes from a lovely environment at home, a truth that I can speak and be proud of and be hold my head up high and say this is who I am show my imperfections and my health you know that's that my health keeps me happy and I didn't look after my health for such a long time and that's what made me unhappy so my health is dead important to me the environment and the people I spend my time with and the community that I run around with and and speak to and the freedom of my truth that makes me happy. Be honest with me. Do you love yourself? Yeah, I do. I do. How long did it take you to love yourself? Only up until recently. And when I say I love myself, I'm going to give you a scale here because some days you don't and you can't. I don't even, I don't truly believe you can be there all the time because if your mood's low, if it's hormonal, if it's something that has happened that you've, or if the past rears its ugly head, I don't think you can always be there. But, I would say like most of the time I'm able to find that part of that love for me. In fact, all of the time I'm able to find it from somewhere and go, yeah, do you know what? You're all right. I am there. I love you. You know, the I, the me, the you, the myself, you know, all of those things. I'm now in a place where I can love every aspect of of my personality. It's facing the ugly. It's facing the truth. It's being able to breathe through the criticism and the pain. And I'm getting so much better at it. And I just know that I can keep taking those steps to that place because I'm open. My awareness is there. I was so closed for so long. And now being open, I'm able to to, to learn. I mean, grow or life will make you grow. Do you know what I mean? And life has really made me grow. So when I'm at a point going, well, why is this happening? Why is that re- you know person reacted that way? I need to grow here because life's asking me to grow in this circumstance. So now 
in 2022. I'm going to bring it up to date <laughs> for you. We're going to leave the noughties. God. <laughs> We're going to go forward at yeah. last. Two things. A podcast and a platform. Let's talk platform first. Happy health. Mm-hmm. We obviously know why you've set it up. But what's the mission that you're doing now? The mission. So, um, well, actually, for those who don't know, I have quit drinking. I'm plant-based and I'm a runner. And I made these changes and I documented this journey over the last two and a half years of this new life that I'm living and how it makes me feel, how how much more wonderful things are happening in my life because of that, how more settled and that that place of love that I feel. I just wanted to kind of bring it to people who were struggling themselves. You know, I got a lot of messages when I went sober uh, from people asking me how I've achieved it. And then, you know, the same with plant-based eating. How do you do that? So it was all these things, all the, the tools and the tips and the tricks that I picked up along the way from these amazing experts that I turned to. And, you know, and going and throwing myself in a, in a coaching course and becoming an alcohol-free coach as well. You know, these things that I just want to help other people with that I see day to day, no matter what job you've come from, no matter what traumas you've had, we all turn to the same things. And that's either alcohol, crap food or unhealthy habits that are not going to fix the problem. So the Happy Health Club is all about avoiding those quick dopamine hits and finding a way to sit in your truth with exercise, great nutrition, mindfulness and sobriety. And a lot of this stems from 10 years ago when you lost your father. Yes. What would he say now to you to see you come the other side of what he what happened immediately afterwards? Well, he'd certainly go, what are you doing with this old vegan plant-based things? Have some meat. That's what he'd say. <laughs> and he would definitely would not be agreeing with me. Um, and I don't think he'd be agreeing with me for quitting the booze either. So I'm not really sure what he'd be saying. But I think he would, and I definitely know he'd have huge respect and admiration for, you know, setting my business up and wanting to help others and now you found your purpose because you've had the platform yeah you had the following Mm -hmm. there's only so many acting dancing singing jobs that one can do yeah to feel achieved because you're always going to want more you're now on your own journey your own pathway Mm -hmm. how are you finding this new path i love it i love everything about it it aligns with everything that i'm about you know, I love looking after myself. I, you know, crazy enough, as much as I didn't, I was always the one who went to the gym in the band. I was always the one who wanted to eat healthier and was always the one who took breaks from alcohol. So as much as I wasn't always living the life that I wanted to live, I was always tapping into it and I loved everything about wellness and well-being. And now I'm actually practicing that daily. I just love it. I, I love teaching it to people. I love talking about it. I love throwing myself into communities. I truly believe when you start looking after yourself, you can be a better human for those around, a better human for the ecosystem, for the environment. When you start looking after yourself, your awareness raises, so you start to behave in different ways. And that's so important for me. And I've never really talked openly about animal welfare or about the planet before, but it's something that I really am passionate about. And I've got passionate about it because I started to look after myself. And now I'm able to do things in a better way for the environment, for society. And 
and that's what I love about it but I just love I love it when like for example our challenges at the moment they're halfway through this this challenge that I'm doing at the moment some are two weeks uh, into sobriety challenges that came on in September and then January are like six months four months sober and these are people that I, I can see their lives have changed they're running marathons and 10ks they're doing like so much wonderful things with their life they're looking after their well-being I really am so passionate about it and when everything has been based around you making everyone else happy you can make yourself happy now oh my god I love yeah and and it is you know making me happy you, you've got to put your gas mask on yourself if I'm looking after myself I'm going to be a better person yeah. uh, when I'm not when I've not had a good night's sleep if I've had too much caffeine if like you know I've over you, you know not exercised for a few days I'm not very good to be around so you best avoid me <laughs> <laughs> so by keeping on top of that I just know I'm a better human being like I always say running makes me such a better human <laughs> I love it and you know one thing I've always wanted to do and tick off the box I've been in a soap I've been a pop star, I've been in a, a musical theatre star, I've been a presenter, I've done the magazines, but I've not made documentaries. And that is something I'm really excited about for my future is to make documentaries. What documentaries are you making? I'd love to do a running documentary, environmental documentary about plant-based living, health documentaries, just anything to do with what I do now, really. Well, look, you've got a platform, but you own that platform. Yeah. How do you feel if you were going to go down that route of making these documentaries, that you're kind of giving yourself away back to the media that you've spent so long getting away from and that you're going to go back into that vicious cycle again. Because although upskirting, although perhaps don't really exist anymore, there's social media that's replaced it. And actually that might be even worse than what happened back then now. Yeah, it can be. Um, But I think think social media is twofold. It's It's a very horrific, bullying, awful place. But at the same time, it can change people's lives. And if people are using social media for good, I, I certainly believe that there now now needs to be in the education system lessons purely on how you behave online, like full on lessons, like let's get rid of like, you know, like unnecessary elements of maths and uh, and put in proper lessons about how you work online, because it's so important to your mental health and what feed you are looking at who you are following, who's inspiring you, how you're behaving, because we are people of tribes and we follow trends and fashions. We know that. We know we follow this. So it's so important to make sure you're able to stay in your own lane but be inspired and motivated by people who are going to help you be a better person and do better things within your environment and your society. Going back into the world of TV and documentaries, I think I've learned a lot along the way. The great thing is, is I can make my own stuff and nobody tamper with it and sell it how it is. And it doesn't have to have a commission. I can put it on social media. I don't, I'm not in a place where it needs to have 10 million views or a million views. I'd be happy with it just being out there, but I'm making it. If it did get picked up by a channel or a commission, I would know exactly what. I know my value so much that I know what I'd be able to sacrifice elements on and what I would say no to. I'm just in such a more secure position in my life to know how I would want that presented. It's amazing that you're not needing to chase that validation. No, and that's it. And that's taken a long time and only recently. And when I say recently, I'm saying in the last few months, I have realised that I don't need validation from my job anymore. And life is just so much easier. It's so much more easier. Drop the perfection. 
don't need the validation and stay in your own lane life is a lot happier well you stayed in your own lane because that's the platform happy health you've then also got your own podcast yeah dare to be happy is um out very 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 soon so dare to be happy is just speaking to to people who are looking for that happiness in life what they do for the sake of their happiness and we've had like the happy pair on dr Gemma newman we're speaking to jenny faulkner in a few weeks um beverly knight and her partner's going to be coming on on to um the podcast but it's people who you know have are do, do things for the sake of their happiness and whether that's really extreme like the happy pair are in that freezing cold irish sea every morning to get those endorphin hits to people just simply journaling and writing a gratitude list you know it's just all about how we what we do for the sake of our happiness suzanne shaw thank you thank you That was Suzanne Short on Security and Secure. Wow, what an amazing, 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 amazing person. I'm so glad she came into the studio at last. I've had a studio guest and I'm so delighted it was her. Her podcast, Dare to Be Happy, it's out to buy soon. Happy Health, the platform, incredible. There's amazing challenges on there. Go and check that out online as well. You've been listening to Security and Secure with me, Johnny Seifert. If you like what you heard, go on Apple Podcasts, give it a five-star rating and leave a review. It's so important we help spread the word. It's okay to not be okay. And on social media, at Johnny Seifert, at Security and Secure instagram is where you can find us and that is where all the past previous episodes are there there's teasers of every single episode of all 140 episodes so there's always an education lesson for you to know it's okay to not be okay i've been johnny seifert thank you so much for listening until next time thank you and goodbye deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.